You're listening to Just Hit Play with your hosts, Peter and Nick Cabral. If you're tired of your stagnant, streamed music feed, then strap yourselves in for an intergenerational sonic journey through Peter and Nick's favourite songs. Welcome to episode 69 of Just Hit Play. I'm your host, Peter. With me is the not-feeling-very-well Nick. Nick, I'm sorry to hear that you have a bit of a cold. Yeah, I got a case of the sniffles, but the show must go on, as always. Yes. Well, so, uh, we're here. Well, let's see if we can make it not not as long as an episode. Maybe we won't hit the 50-minute mark. Maybe we'll, you know, do Darren, and F- Darren a favor and stick to about 30 minutes today. Yeah, maybe. I'm sure he'd love that. I can't promise anything, but we'll see how we'll see how the podcast goes. Uh, and speaking of Darren, Darren is in our Brisbane studios, our sound engineer. Darren, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Cool. So how's your week been, Nick? What, what have you been up to? It's been good. I had my first labs for school this week uh, of this new program. So that was a lot of fun uh, being able to go in, on, in person and doing some ECG tests, some electrocardiograms. And uh, yeah, just it's been really cool to actually do stuff like tangible things with my knowledge uh at school so that's been a lot of fun and yeah other than that just still getting acclimated to the new city the big city yeah how is it living downtown is uh are you still loving it oh yeah it's it's really nice really really nice here big fan cool yeah and how's the weather is it getting cooler yeah it is it is cooling off a little bit uh, but then I looked ahead next week and it's going back to hot. So, oh, okay. Yeah. And you were at a concert last week. Uh, how, how was the show? Yeah, I was at um, a three day music festival, which was uh, fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very tiring three days, but overall a lot of fun. Really cool way to see a bunch of artists and yeah, really cool experience. Was there a surprise Drake showing or did he not make uh, it? No, Drake did not show up, uh, much to the chagrin of everyone's, uh, everyone who was there. I was surprised. I thought for sure he'd come, considering he could literally have driven from his house. Uh, yeah. But I guess Drake doesn't care about, uh, about his fans enough. Yeah, just remember that if you're listening to this, Drake hates you if you live in Toronto. True. Just remember Probably that. does. Probably does. Um, let's get into some music. Now, um... I'm very curious on um, why you picked this artist that you've picked. So you're going first this week. So tell us about your artist. Yep. So this week I got you to listen to Total Entertainment Forever by Father John Misty. It's off his third studio album, Pure Comedy, which was released in 2017. And yeah, this is a, it's a pretty interesting one. And uh, there's definitely some stuff to delve into, but I think we should do that after Darren just hits play. Betting Taylor Swift Every night inside the Oculus Rift After Mr. and the Mrs. Finished dinner and the dishes So much higher than it was last year It's like the images have all become real Someone's living my life for me out in the field Alright, so Total Entertainment Forever 
Father John Misty. Uh, it's musically, uh, like sonic-wise, the song is um, as great as as all of his music is. Really vibrant, joyous, uh, lush, even, and it's got this like sing-songy quality. But I think more importantly than that is uh, just the lyrics and like the, the songwriting of this song. That's that's what I listen to Father John Misty for. Right. And what was your impression of that side of the music? I had a hard time with this song my first listening, and I figured out why. I love music videos. I grew up in the 80s, so music videos were synonymous with music. You watch the music video, that was part of the whole deal. I hate this music video so much that it really took me out of the song. I'm like, okay. So I, I thought to myself, Okay, I don't want to watch that again because it, it was, I don't like it. Um, so then I went on to Amazon Music and found the song. And actually, let me rephrase that. I looked on Amazon Music and I couldn't find the song. So I went up to Spotify and I found just the audio track. And I'm like, okay, this is much better. I, I've removed all my distractions. I don't need to see Macaulay Culkin crucified to a cross. Um, so I much preferred it when it was just audio. I think um, whoever the director of this music video is didn't get it or just did the wrong music video for it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so I, I actually just watched this music video for the first time about okay, yeah. half an hour ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it really threw me off. Like it, But it didn't surprise me at the same time. Like, Father John Misty is a very provocative satirical uh, guy like he he always does something to try to evoke some kind of response from people mm. and um, yeah this music video is I didn't like it like I don't think it's very good either no it's not a good it's not a good video it's certainly out there and yeah I I could see he thought that it would be pretty provocative to have Macaulay Culkin as Kurt Cobain getting crucified and like mm-hmm. make that as a statement for uh, the world we live in and, and the uh, position that entertainment has in our society, right? Uh, which is sort of the whole ethos of the song. I mean, clearly yeah. Father John Misty doesn't think very highly of the internet. <laughs> right. It was the right idea, just poorly executed. That's how I saw it. Um, I think he went for shock value when he could have went for more artistry next to Macaulay Culkin pretending to be Kurt Cobain, pretending to be Jesus was Bill Clinton on the cross next to him. And then on the cross next to him, I believe that was the owner of the cat Garfield from the comic strip series. I just thought it was just, you know, stop being stupid and just make a, a better video. If that, it, that's how I saw the video at least. Yeah. It, it made a bit more sense for me when I looked on the Wikipedia page for father John Misty. And it said that he microdoses LSD every day. <laughs> the okay. video made even more sense to me after reading that. That makes more sense, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I think... I, I heard an English teacher once say that people think that pot or marijuana is this mind-expanding drug, and he had the exact opposite take on it, where it's not. He goes, he goes well, I can tell when the kids in my class start smoking pot because their writing then becomes about pot. It doesn't expand the mind, it narrows the mind. And I could see why microdosing and LSD would also have the same effect where you think you're expanding your mind, but you're really just doing things that the LSD is sort of making you do. 
Yeah. Yeah. If that, if, that, if, if I'm trying to, I'm explaining it badly, but uh, I think, I think then you look through a very narrow drug infused point of view. No doubt. No doubt. But uh, as far as the music side goes, right. though, let's, uh, let's talk about that. Sure. Setting, setting aside the video. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the music is uh, fantastic and very well sure. done. And yeah. uh, this style of, of writing, um, lyric-wise, is very much uh, what Father John Misty has mm-hmm. been known for and what he's built a really successful career off of is this style of writing. Yeah. Yeah, it's as soon as I got away from the music video and then, then just put the music on headphones and just listen to it. And it, I was in a, a dark room at the time, which is which I think is even better to listen to the song. It, it then I grew to appreciate it much more. So I, this is definitely a song I will, I'll never watch the video of ever again, but we'll go back to the audio version of it happily. Cause it's a very, it's a very good song. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you think so. I had a feeling you would appreciate this song just for uh, the fact that it's painting a message about society mm. and uh, some things that he identifies are wrong in our society contributing yeah. to the, our downfall and looking at it from that lens it's it's kind of similar to some of the songs you've shown me in the in the mm. prior weeks i thought yeah you can tell that he's a big fan of of artists like david bowie who we're gonna listen to later or nick cave um you can tell that he's influenced heavily by influential artists um i think his you know the way the songs are structured the lyrics especially you can tell that he's a big fan of those artists. Yeah. And he, he always tries to make these big grandiose statements in his mm. music. Right. His uh, second album, my f- personal favorite is a concept album all about just himself. And then this, uh, this album, pure comedy is all about uh, the downfall of human society and how we're all doomed mm. and looking at all the things that are wrong in our, in our world um, his album after pure comedy was all about his own mortality exploring right. that okay so uh he's a very deep thinker uh, he, he likes to to write very deeply about these issues these things that he perceives as being important to talk about like a nick cave or a tom waits right isn't it great though that someone who does microdose lsd can be seen as a viable artist like if you look back what was happening in america in the 60s there were FBI files on John Lennon. Um, you know, they John Lennon was followed because he was seen as a provocateur or someone that was misleading the youth um, to now where these people can openly say that they microdose on LSD and not be a pariah to society. I think that in a lot of ways that has shifted and it's more accepted now to think differently or try to experience life a little bit differently. That was definitely not the case when I was growing up. No, definitely not. And I think that's been aided by um, a lot of the research that's coming out now around psychedelics for um, treatment of mental health conditions. Like um, Father John Misty, whose real name, by the way, is Joshua Tillman, uh, has come out and said he struggles with PTSD, anxiety, and depression. That's Mm. why he... He microdoses with with LSD, and yeah, there's now um, been all kinds of research coming out in favor of psychedelics for those treatments, and it yeah. probably won't be too long before we see those drugs decriminalized for therapeutic uses. Right. 
So yeah, it's a far um, cry from the seventies and sixties. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know if you ever heard of Timothy Leary. Uh, no. So Timothy Leary was a professor. I think he was Harvard who basically was the father of LSD uh, and using it for mental health reasons. And he, you know, would take these bus trips around America trying to extol the virtues of microdose and LSD. And it was like, you know, I think the line was like, drop in, drop out, like take a drop of acid, drop out of society sort of thing. I think that was his model. And again, I'm, I'm probably butchering that a little bit, but he was seen as the father of sort of the coming away from the criminalization of LSD because it is a controlled substance and it has been for many years. Uh, there has been a lot of experiments. The U.S. military have done experiments with giving people LSD to, you know, see what that would do to them. Um, it's going completely off topic, and sorry, Darren, this might be going a little bit longer again. Uh, in World War II, when the Nazis overran France, they couldn't understand, the, the English and French soldiers couldn't understand why the, the Germans weren't stopping because they were just going and going and going. And the reason for that is because they were prescribed crystal meth. Yeah, weren't they all on amphetamines um, the whole time? It was, a, it was a drug called Prevotin. And that's why they didn't stop. They just kept going and going and going. And I might have mentioned this earlier in another episode. But there's been a long history of experimentation with the military and sorts of psychedelics or drugs like that. Yeah, yeah which is pretty crazy yeah. uh, when you think about it. Because who knows what the intention is behind all that experimenting and right. Yeah. yeah. It, and a lot of it happens in secret with little oversight it, or, or it accountability. Does. Yeah. Um, let's get back to the music because let's leave world war two alone for the moment. How did you come to this artist? How did you find him? I think just when his album, I love you, honey bear came out, it had a lot of buzz, critical acclaim, um, just blogs on the internet talking about it, people online talking about it. So I gave it a listen and I really right. liked it. And it was very different from uh, any of the music I was listening to. It, it was a new style, I guess. Um, yeah, so it, it just really struck me right away. And uh, I'm a big fan of, of this album that came after as well, Pure Comedy. Mm. And when I was like 15, 16, 17, and really starting to... Um, question a lot of things in the world uh, mm -hmm. songs like this seemed very very deep and impactful to me at the time right and what's funny is i think this song is even more relevant and timely now mm -hmm. than it was when it was released yeah i could see that um i had no idea how long how old the song was or when it was released so i came into it thinking it was a newer release not knowing that it was i think you mentioned it's five or six years old but yeah i'd say it's a great comment on um what's happening in the world yeah, no doubt. I thought yeah. you might even be able to appreciate it more than me, given that you're a bit older in age and have seen all of these advances in how we uh, consume entertainment nowadays. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the internet was invented, it was supposed to be this great democracy of information where information was no longer going to be held by the educational system or governments. And there was this idea that it was going to revolutionize the world in in expand our horizons in a, in a thought capacity sort of way. And unfortunately it has done that, but in, in a weird, unfortunate way where earlier today I commented on someone's post on Facebook because they said Justin Trudeau was a pedophile. Um, you know, 
where he, where this person's got that information from is is really my point because it didn't democratize information. It just put people in silos for their information that where they can just go and get whatever they want and not have to question their beliefs or question their, their thought process. Yeah, absolutely. It's the internet is now a place where you can get whatever you're looking for yeah. uh, and have it given to you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it can be scary for sure to see it happen in real time. Yeah, and which is again to to the point of this song where he, you know he he alludes to that in in, in the music. Um, yeah, people just don't want to be questioned and they don't want to be um, grow or expand their 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 thought. They believe in one thing, and they stick to that argument. Unfortunately, and the internet just sort of reinforces their belief system. Yeah, or you turn your brain off and just right. uh, consume <laughs> media and. Um, yeah. entertainment and yeah. non-important things, things that don't have substance or value. Yeah, exactly. Just pass time and, and fill your head. Yeah. No, so in that, yeah, I love that, that sentiment in the, in the song. It's it's so good. And I'm glad that he has a conscience and is able to expand, you know, the people that are listening to it, you know, their, their, their way of thinking. Yeah, for sure. That's something he's always been good at. And uh, yeah, I, I think he's a great artist. For sure. Have you have you ever had a chance to see him live? No, I never have. Uh, but I feel like that'd be a lot of fun. I, I yeah. think he would. He's been known for some onstage antics. Like in 2016, he went on this like huge Kanye esque rant at a music festival about like how <laughs> right. the world is so fucked up and yeah. how we're all like we're all going to hell and um, yeah. And then he did like a 13 minute long piano ballad about like the society and human nature. Cool. Uh, so I feel like it'd be a pretty crazy live show to see. I, I'd be curious if he can, I'm assuming he's, this artist is American. He is American. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious because of his microdosing LSD, as you said, if he can cross borders and he can go in tour in different countries. Uh, obviously LSD is a controlled substance and you can't bring that across borders. So I'd be really curious. I'm sure he finds a way. Yeah. Sure. No, I'm sure he can't. <laughs> Yeah. There's people that uh you know that are willing to help out in a lot of a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to see him in I'd love to see him live too. I I like provocative artists and um and you know our next artist David Bowie is a very provocative artist. So I I, I definitely do like that kind of music. Yeah. yeah, me too. Definitely. And uh Darren, what did you think of this song? Yeah, it was okay. I didn't mind the video clip, but that was more just for its style. And yeah. interesting, low-tech, high-tech way of doing it. Mm. But. Yeah, it took me out of the song. I kept looking at the video and not listening to the music, if that makes any sense, Darren. Yeah. I, I had the same it doesn't experience. join up well, but it is interesting yeah. to watch. It was, yeah. So if you, please, if you're listening to this podcast, go go look at the music video on YouTube to see if uh, what we're talking about. Sorry, Nick, you are going to say something. Yeah, like I, I do think the video is cool stylistically. Yeah. But I had a similar experience to you where I found myself like so engrossed in music video trying to figure out what the hell is going on yeah. that I tuned out the song for sure. Maybe maybe the video is something that you should watch if you've listened to the song a few times. Because if you're like, like for me, it was the first time I'd ever heard the song was watching the music video at the same time. And I couldn't compete with the music video to hear the song. Maybe if, if, if the song was something I was used to or knew what was about to happen, the music video wouldn't be as distracting as it ended up being for me. Yeah, that could definitely be the case. Yeah. 
Cool. No, uh, yeah, I really love the song, so I'm really glad to uh, to have uh, got that introduced into my uh, into my life. Yeah, no problem at all. Plenty yeah. more where that came from. Cool. I'm excited. Um, all right, let's get into a little bit of David Bowie. Now, you know David Bowie, obviously. You you like David Bowie. You, you know a lot of his music. So I wanted to go for a track that I thought you probably never heard of, which was uh, I'm Afraid of Americans, which was a song that came out in 1997. Um, so let's uh, let's hear a little bit of it. So Darren just hit play. So that was David Bowie and I'm Afraid of Americans, a very different sounding Bowie than his stuff from the 80s and the, and the 70s. So what did you think of the song, first off? I think this song's incredible. I yeah. love this song so much. And yeah, I, that's pretty much it. I, I can't think of a single bad thing to say about this song. It's just everything I love in music. And right. yeah, it's great. I love it. It came out in a very specific year. So, so let's talk about 1997 first off. So the grunge movement had, is, has come and gone. Um, you're getting a lot more heavier music. So Nine Inch Nails, who Trent Reznor features on this on this record, and he's done a bunch of remixes of this song as well. So Nine Inch Nails music is really, really popular. Then you start getting a lot of the techno music coming out at this point. So you get uh, The Prodigy with a song called Firestarter, which was a very... in um, techno um, industrial type sounding music and you get like Fatboy Slim you get Moby coming out Moby's you know doing his big uh, you know Moby's huge at this point and so David Bowie released this song which is this perfect dance industrial mix and it's really dirty and, and the lyrics are very dark so that's what was happening in 1997 so it fit perfectly in what was happening uh, at that time well I, it also fits perfectly in my ears every time I press play on this song. Yeah, it's um, like you said, dirty and, and like really gritty and raw. Uh, and I just think it's so fantastic. And it was cool to see uh, or to hear rather this sound from Bowie because I this is an era of David Bowie that I haven't really listened mm. to much of or been exposed to much of. Uh, it's really just his stuff from like the 70s and 80s. And then his last album, uh, Black Star, that I've listened to. So really cool to see what he was doing in the late 90s. Well, this was his last hit up until his last album came out. Um, yeah, so he hadn't had a hit for 10 years um, after wow. this. So. No, hold on. Let me rephrase that. It would, have been almost 20, it would have been almost 20 years since he had his last hit because this is 1997 and he died, I'm thinking, 2018? around there I can't remember exactly so it would have been almost 20 years since his his next big hit which would have been uh, you know that the last album he had, he had put out but what, was he still making music throughout like the 2000s yeah. and 2010s is just he didn't really catch on until his last album yeah so what happens 
and a lot of this happens to a lot of artists they turn sort of introspective and they've made so much money that they don't have to write hits and they can just write whatever they want and and bowie did this amazing thing to safeguard money he sold all the rights to his music um before his passing and he and and he made like a billion dollars from selling all the rights to his music so he just sold songs off to different companies uh and made an absolute fortune so that was a pretty pretty smart move uh, so he lost control obviously once you sell the rights to your music he lost control of it but made a fortune before he died yeah and with that financial stability you can do whatever you want do whatever you want yes um a lot of times people can't understand why the Rolling Stones get huge record contracts when they sign a new record contract. Um, it's because you're not really making any money off the new music, you're making money off licensing all the old music. So when you have like the Rolling Stones or U2, like U2 can sign monster record deals. Again, it has nothing to do with what they're about to release. It's about all the back catalog and all the money you're going to make off the back catalog. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So that's why these bands can sign huge new record deals, and people are always confused by it, but um, that's the reason why. Yeah, because the real money makers are the songs that uh, companies want to put in trailers right. for things and play at sports yeah. games and that's use in public domain. Yeah, I get that. So let's talk about the title of the song. So I'm Afraid of Americans, obviously, is, um, you know, comes with a lot of american politics that are happening and you know what they are what they sort of done around the world and obviously this is before september 11th so um and this is sort of the infancy of the internet too so 1997 the internet had been really around for a couple of years and people started being able to find more information about um america's foreign policy let's say (laughs) and some of the things that they got up to um you know, and the gun violence, obviously the gun violence in America was still bad in 1997 when this song came out. So, um, yeah. Uh, and the video itself, Trent Reznor is in the video and he has like this, have you ever seen the movie Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro? Yeah. Great movie. Yeah. So he has this sort of Taxi Driver-esque uh, persona where he's sort of following Bowie and Bowie's fear in first life because there's an American and Trent Reznor is very American following him into like this taxi cab and stuff like that. So it fits the narrative pretty well. And Trent Reznor does a pretty good job in the video. And again, pretty provocative uh, sure, concept yeah. for a song. <laughs> Just uh, David Bowie coming out, coming out and saying, yeah, I'm afraid of <laughs> all Americans. I, all you guys terrify me. Um, I love the, I love the last line in the, in the in the song where it goes, uh, "God is an American." I kind of I kind of like that because God, in a lot of ways, has become American. Yeah, yeah, that's just again brilliant songwriting. Yeah, and yeah, I think our two songs are this week are similar in more than a few ways. Are very provocative songs. Yeah, very provocative, very metaphorical, very uh, satirical, while also making statements about society and uh, groups of people. And in Bowie's case, he's definitely making some statements about Americans and America. Uh, so even the song title. So you mentioned last week that, you know, the song Young Americans by David Bowie. Um, so that could be a play on Young Americans that he released uh, in 1975, I think. And then there's uh, a movie he was in in 1976 called The Man Who Fell to Earth. And the album, the name of this album is called Earthling. So I think he's playing a lot with his past. In, in the music where he's re- he's named this very sub- uh, specifically and he's named the album very specifically to, um, you know, make allusions to some of his earlier music and uh, movies. That's cool. I, I like 
I like that he yeah. did that. I like when artists reference uh, their career and back catalog and don't don't try to pretend like that stuff it didn't never exist. happened. Yeah. yeah, it didn't exist. I like that. Strangely, this he this song was re-recorded. There's a version of this song that's on the Showgirls soundtrack. Do you know? Have you ever heard of a movie called Showgirls? No, never. So Showgirls was this awful movie in 1995. Um, that was about a girl who wanted to become a showgirl in Vegas. And it's really titillating. There's a lot of nudity and a lot of sex in the movie, but it's just a, really a piece of crap. And it's one of the first, um, I think it's, I think it was like rated X to go see in the movie theater. I th- it, it was, it was either that it was like eight, what is it? R 18 plus, or, you know, it was, it was one of those movies that really pushed the envelope of how much sex and nudity could be in a film. Right. Um, and there's some really good songs on the soundtrack, <laughs> this being one of them. So, yeah, weirdly, uh, the original recording of this was on, yeah, show, the Showgirl soundtrack. I found that quite bizarre. Was it, like you say, it's an original recording. How different does it sound, though? Like, is it uh, essentially the same song, just this recording is more polished or what? Yeah, it's definitely, it has more drum loops. It has more of an industrial sound. It was re-recorded with Brian Eno. Uh, do you know who Brian Eno is? Yeah, so... Brian Eno is the one who, who worked with U2 and uh, Coldplay and Depeche Mode and all those bands. Um, yeah. And he worked a lot with David Bowie early in his career. So a lot of the 70s records that Bowie made, especially in the Berlin phase, were all recorded with Brian Eno. Yeah, I'm a big uh, big fan of Brian Eno and his contributions yeah. to music. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so th- they definitely added a lot more techno and dance sort of vibes to it. And I think he changed... Johnny in in the song I think it was I think in the original song and it's been a while since I've heard the original I think instead of Johnny I think he calls it a dummy uh, but then he changed it to Johnny to feel more American I think is what he said as well yeah I think that's a good good choice I think Johnny works better and let's talk about Bowie you know this is a completely different sound than he had in the in like the the 70s and the 80s and you know um, he's able to just be able to make whatever kind of music he wants. And it's, it's absolute brilliance. Um, he's a, he's a very talented artist and yeah, can, can do anything really. Not anymore, but at the time he could do anything. Not so much now, but uh, yeah, an incredible artist. He is, he is incredible. Uh, his versatility that you speak of is, I think the main reason for his longevity. Yeah. Uh, the, and like the career he had, it's so impressive to me. I, I've been a Bowie fan for a while. Like, Ever right. since I heard uh, Heroes in the soundtrack for Perks of Being a Wallflower. That movie. I love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. Yeah, ever since I heard Heroes in that movie, I've been a big Bowie fan. Yeah. And when his uh, his album, his last album came out, Black Star, and I was reading about how he took inspiration from a lot of hip hop. Uh, mm. He was listening to a lot of Kendrick Lamar. Um, Death Grips. If you remember when we did Death Grips on mm-hmm. this podcast, he was listening right. to a lot of them. Uh, Kanye West, a lot of acts like that. Uh, that really made me appreciate Bowie even more. Just drawing influences from uh, places like that, which was yeah. definitely not how the rest of his music sounded. And the fact that he pulled it off and did it so well. So yeah, he's definitely very versatile. If you're listening to this episode and you're not familiar with David Bowie, please go back and listen to his earlier, earlier records. Heroes, um, you know, is one of those one of the great rock songs ever recorded. And in a, in a way, you know, 
because you know music so well, you're sort of doing a disservice to this podcast because we can't play heroes or, or music like that because you know it. And one of the reasons, one of the things we do in this podcast is we challenge each other with new music that we haven't heard. Um, but, you know, imagine if, you know, you hadn't heard David Bowie and you got to hear heroes in this podcast for the first time. That'd be pretty crazy. I know. I, I do think about that sometimes. Like yeah. it's, it definitely makes it more difficult for you because I'm sure you'd love to show me something like Painted Black by the Rolling Stones and have me or listen Sympathy to it for, for the, the Devil. Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones, one of my favorite songs ever recorded. Yeah. A, a Day in the Life by the Beatles, which you mentioned last right. week. You'd probably love yeah. to see my right. reaction to that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, unfortunately, you know a lot about music, which makes it a little bit more difficult, but that's okay. I like uh, trying to find songs that, that you haven't heard before. Well, you've done a great job so far. Yeah. Uh, I'm afraid of Americans is a no exception to that. Yeah. This is definitely a song that will be in my rotation. will make it into my playlists, a song that I'll be listening to for a while. Cool. cool. Yeah. I, I love this David Bowie song. It's one of my favorite David Bowie songs. And um, for a guy who's had this long of a career, I think it just cements his genius even further. Yeah. The more I hear him do different genres or experiment with different sounds, uh, just the more respect uh, I gain for him as an artist and his right. creativity. Cool. Uh, hey, Darren, what did you think of I'm Afraid of Americans by Mr. Bowie? Yeah, I like most of Bowie's songs, so it's definitely in my playlist. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about the song I'm going to get you to listen to next week. So this month I'm getting you to listen to more, a little bit more esoteric stuff, not stuff that were hits or big songs by any stretch of the imagination. This was, you know, Bowie's last hit, but it wasn't a hit. Like I think it made it up to like number 66 on the singles chart. So we're not talking about, you know, a top 10 song or even a, you know, top 50 song. Uh, we talked about Nick Cave, who obviously is popular and Tom Waits popular, but not superstar huge hits that we listen to. So we're going to continue down that road for this last song. And I'm going to get you to listen to pulp, which we've heard a pulp song before, but I'm going to let, get you to listen to a song called hardcore. Okay. Which is, an ama- which is an amazing song. Um, so what song do you have for me next week? Next week, we're going to listen to Crack Sandwich by J.I.D. J.I.D. is, in my opinion, uh, one of the best rappers. Uh, and I mean like pure rappers in, in the hip hop industry right now. He just oh. released a new album, which I again, think is probably the best album that rap album that's come out this year. And yeah, the song is from, from that album. He's oh, so just it's, a, it's, a, new, it's a new song. Yeah. It just came out a few weeks ago. Oh, cool. I like the title. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really good stuff. Um, I'm curious to see what you think. Cool. Uh, let's get into this week in movie history. This week in movie history. So in the past, we've listened to songs that were number one in the year 2000, the year Nick was born in, listened to songs that were number one in 1973, the year I was born. But um, we've sort of come around and we were just rehashed songs that we've already heard. So now we're doing uh, This Week in Movie History to see what was number one in 1973 and what was number one in the year 2000. Surprisingly, or not surprisingly, we have another Kung Fu movie that's number one in 1973. Uh, We talked about this last week, uh, Enter the Dragon. Bruce Lee had just died. Enter the Dragon became one of the biggest movies of the year. And Hollywood just brought over all these Hong Kong karate movies and just rehashed it and just released it in as many theaters as they possibly could. So even though this came out in America in 1973, 
It's actually released in 1971. And this is a movie called Shanghai Killers. Let's listen to a bit of this. I couldn't find the soundtrack, so we're going to listen to a bit of the trailer. So, Darren, let's hear a little bit of the trailer. Slash, the blade of death. If it touches you, you're dead. Yeah. So again, we're, America was in its kung fu phase, karate phase, and anything that was kung fu or karate related was huge. And this is where you get dojos just opening up around America, and you get like all these karate and kung fu, uh, you know, studios opening so people, so Americans could learn uh, karate or kung fu. It's a really interesting time in American history. And then twenty years later. You have kids raised in that era, uh, growing up to form the yeah. Wu Tang Clan. That's right. Who loved loved um, Bruce Lee? Yeah, loved Bruce Lee. Loved Kung Fu. Sampled yeah. a ton of Kung Fu movies and their music. So yeah, it, that's a cool connection. I always think. Yeah. There and uh, even Eddie Murphy loved Bruce Lee. And if you ever if you ever look, Eddie Murphy in his early action movies would just do Bruce Lee imitations a lot of times if he was like, you know, um, he has this thing where he would look side by side in which was a very Bruce Lee sort of move. So yeah, he, Eddie Murphy said he used to rip off Bruce Lee as well. And who would have been a, a, a teenager during that time. I can't think of uh, either of the Murphy brothers without thinking of the Dave Chappelle. Uh, <laughs> An amazing sketch. show. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Rick James. The that's- and the Rick James. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can't like I I just I can't hear Eddie Murphy or Charlie Murphy without thinking of that Rick James sketch. Yeah, too, sorry. Too side fun. note, random yeah, tangent, but the, the, every time it just comes to mind for me. Uh, in the year two thousand, surprisingly, The Watcher, a movie I'd never heard of, is still number one. So it was number one for at least two weeks. Uh, so the number seven movie at that time was a movie called The Cell. Have you ever seen The Cell? No. It is one of the most beautifully filmed movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It stars Jennifer Lopez and Vince Vaughn. And it is absolutely gorgeous. Have you ever seen the video for uh, losing my religion by REM? Yes. Yes, I have. It's the same director who did that video. Who, okay. This was his director directorial debut, if I'm not mistaken. And it is an absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous movie and a really dark subject matter. It's about a serial killer. Um, but my God, it's, it's incredible. So if you've never seen the cell, please go watch the cell. It's, it's an amazing movie. Um, you know, it, I think it, it doesn't stand the test of time in regards to storytelling, but visually, wow, what a film, uh, Darren, have you ever seen the cell? I don't remember. Maybe not. Yeah. Go see it. It's, it's, it's brilliant. Uh, so let's listen to a bit of the soundtrack from the cell. Uh, so Darren just hit play on the soundtrack. So the director of the of, of the cell was Tarsim Singh, who was an Indian, who's Indian by descent. So you hear a little bit of the Indian music sort of side of things, uh, which was very influential on the movie as well. Um, yeah, so please go see the cell. It's a great, it's a great film. Cool. Yeah, I'll check it out. Cool. Uh, so what do you have to do for the rest of the week? Well, I'm going to a Blue Jays game tomorrow uh, as part of it's like an event through my school. Right. Uh, so yeah, 
10 bucks for a Blue Jays game and uh, uh, we're getting a hat with like the Blue Jays logo and like a, our school's logo on it. So Who yeah, are they that'll playing? be fun. Playing the Orioles. Orioles. Okay, cool. That'll be a good game. Yeah, it'll be a very important game. So yes, yeah, looking yes. forward to that. And um, going to a concert on Saturday at like a venue I've never been before, the Phoenix. Uh, it's like a really small venue, so I'm yeah. excited to go there. And I've seen a, I've seen a lot of shows at the Phoenix. That's a really nice club. Is it cool? Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward yeah. to it. You love the Phoenix, yeah. And then on Sunday, uh, my dad's coming down to visit me, check out the the house in Toronto, and yeah, we'll go out for lunch. Um, later today, I'm photographing a musical, uh, so I'm photographing photographing the dress rehearsal of the musical. I love photographing dance, especially so. Uh, this it's always fun when I get to photograph dance performances. And then tomorrow, I'm photographing a wedding, uh, which is going to happen in this in this part of town called Kangaroo Point, and a lot of people do. Um, Cliff, cliff climbing on Kangaroo Point. And so apparently the groom is going to abseil down the cliff and I'm supposed to photograph him abseiling down the cliff. And then the bride is coming to the wedding venue in a horse and buggy. Wow. So, yeah. So I've never okay. photographed a, a groom, uh, you know, abseiling down a cliff before, but hey, that's my job tomorrow. Cool. Well, that should be fun. <laughs> It'll be interesting. Yeah. When yeah. they said I had to do that, and I was like, I don't have to climb down with him off the cliff. And I'm like, no, no, you'll be at the bottom. And I was like, oh, okay, then yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I was, yeah. I'm not an action photographer. I, I've never, um, you know, climbed up or down a cliff. So, yeah. So that's good. Uh, how about you, Darren? What are you up to? Uh, just working and going to see my mother. Do a day trip up on Sunday. And you're going to see your, your nephew, aren't you? They're arriving on Tuesday. Nice. That'll be fun. Um, let's talk about our independent artist this week. Our independent artist this week is Chris Hutchison with the song called Let It Go. And I, what I love most about Chris is that his music uh, is very simple and very good. So he, when he performs live, it's just him and acoustic guitar. So his vocals and the guitar sort of stand out there. So he doesn't perform with any backing tracks. So yeah, it's just the guitar in his voice, which is very similar to say like a Neil Young or who's that redheaded uh, ugly kid that's around nowadays. Ed, Ed something Ed Sheeran. So it's very similar <laughs> to the, to the ugly stepchild of Ed Sheeran. Uh, so we're going to listen to a song called let it go by uh, Chris Hutchinson. So gentlemen, we will talk to you next week. Tell your story, satisfy and pretend When you tell me that we were never friends I know the truth, I know what we went through What we went through Words are flying, and now we're here again Watch you sell it, I'm not buying in I know the truth, I know what we went through We could be alright If you just let it go, let it go Don't let it go, let it go, let it go Stop holding on, you gotta fix it
yesterday Oh, find a way through all this pain Is it worth all the fighting? You don't need to run away We can take it day by day, yeah I know we'll find a better way A better way We could be alright If you just let it go, let it go Or we could go listening to just hit play to contact your hosts peter and nick or to be featured on an episode as musical talent email just hit play 7300 at gmail.com keep up to date with news and announcements by following on instagram and facebook linked in the show notes subscribe on your favorite podcatcher to tune in next week for more sonic delights and if you can't wait till then check out the just hit playlist on spotify linked in the show notes A special thanks to Braden Munch for the theme song and thank you for listening.